0: Kids, just like humans, but especially kids, they are very, very resilient. They're adaptable. Their brains have what's called plasticity, so they're constantly able to change and bounce back and move on and adapt. And this is why you see kids literally adapting from like home life to going to school. And it's not that they don't feel it. They absolutely feel it, so there are things we could do to make it smoother for them, but they are resilient. You need to shut off all the non-essentials. If your house doesn't get clean today, it's not the end of the world. You need to think about, okay, I only have a certain amount of eggs to put out today. What am I gonna reserve them for? I can do everything and that's just a fact and a reality. Let go of that and really just bare minimum is totally fine.
1: Life moves on, so why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey moltak your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Oh my goodness, we're back after, I think, a 10 week hiatus from recording. I'm so excited to be bringing you this podcast tonight. We've been in quarantine. I wasn't sure whether or not I could commit to making any new podcasts during this time because i'm sure just like you there are little children in the house who need attention 24 7. i didn't want to bother any potential guests with having to make time to chat with me so i apologize but we're back and we're better than ever and i know that this episode is really going to ring true for a lot of you because we're talking about speaking of quarantine single parents, especially single mothers in quarantine, because we know that yes, we're saluting all of the heroes that don't wear capes, but you certainly are some of those heroes that don't wear capes because there is no job quite like single motherhood. And then couple that with not being able to leave the house, having to teach your children from home, having to be their source of entertainment, soothing, food, everything under the sun, all in the span of a day, on repeat for months and months. You guys, I sympathize, I empathize and I was you once and I just can't even imagine. So I thought what better way to talk about this topic than bring somebody on who really, really, really understands the needs of children. You may have seen on my Instagram stories, I promote her a ton. Her name is Evelyn Mandel and she's a licensed mental health counselor who specializes in working with children from ages zero to five. I've known her for years as a friend, but I've taken her workshops for just as long because she has gotten me through some of the toughest times of parenting. We were each other's rocks when we both separated. We separated around the same time, not from each other, but from our ex-husbands with very little children in tow. And so she's been somebody I've leaned on for a long time, and I'm so excited to bring her to you. Evelyn is trained as a bringing home baby educator. She's licensed in so many things and proficient in helping parents see the world through their littles eyes at every stage. And she's a strong believer in the imperfect parenting movement, which is why I love her. She keeps it real. She's not gonna set these standards you can't follow. She understands that life happens and she's sort of the perfect crutch for single mamas just trying to get by day to day. Ev, I am so happy to have you here. Please, did I like miss anything? Introduce yourself.
0: No, Mish, thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor. You already know how I feel about you. So it's such an honor to be on your podcast. I can't wait to kind of share the love with some of your mamas out there that I know are, you know, finding this time to be a struggle. Even when you're not a single parent, it's a struggle. So I can only imagine for the rest of the single parents, how tough this might be right now.
1: And you know, it's funny because I've talked about this before in my Insta stories and in some of my posts about single moms needing extra love right now. And many people have reached out and said, I'm not a single mom yet, but it's basically like I am because I'm doing everything by myself. So this kind of pertains to a lot of moms (laughs) right now, not to put down the husbands, but it, it is a very lonely time, a tough time for moms.
0: It's a tough time for moms in general. Even you know, some there's also the homes of the people that have husbands, and it it makes it worse a little bit uh, because <laughs> now do it home myself. maybe the husband wasn't used to being home. Now it feels like an extra person <laughs> just in the way that might not necessarily be able to be as resourceful as you might have thought would happen with an extra set of hands. So everyone, I think, has their own challenges going on right now, you know? Well, no matter what you
1: have going on in life, there are certain things that unite us, such as right now, Evelyn and I are both recording this podcast, sitting on our bedroom floors, trying to get some peace and quiet.
0: I'm like locked in a hole over here. But I'm actually hiding in my daughter's bedroom. (laughs) I see that. Good for you.
1: The one place she won't look for you. (laughs) (laughs) Mom, mommy, ma. So let's just get right into it. What are some of the issues you see single moms or you've heard single moms struggling with during this time? I mean, we're here in South Florida. We're in week 10, I think, nine or 10. Who knows, right? Uh, Yeah. Time does not exist.
0: We're in a time warp, but okay. So some of the things that I'm hearing, I think, let's make it about every mom, but specifically even more single moms is the first thing is this notion of like complete parental burnout. It's a real thing, right? It's a real thing. Like people talk about burnout all the time when it pertains to work. Like, you know, it's almost like when you can't even, you're so depleted that you can't even feel like you can complete anything else. You're irritable. You don't look forward to it. You just feel like, where is my time off from it? And so the same thing is happening when it comes to parenting. This was a thing that really existed before quarantine, right? So it's always existed. I think now everybody understands. Exactly. Now everybody understands. But specifically with the single mamas that are on here listening, it's really, really hard because what's happening is, you know, any sort of village that you had. And by that, I mean any sort of resources that you had, physical resources, whether your kids were in school or not. You still, at some point, I'm sure, left your house, right? So at some point, I'm sure you were either, you pertained to, even if it was a music class you took your kids to, or hung out with friends, or had extended family that helped out. There was some sort of childcare or resources that were probably available to you in your life. And these are so, so depleted right now that all of the responsibility, all of just the physical labor that it takes to, to really care for a child, which I think none of us were, were prepared for. None of us, right? It's a 24-7 job. And it's really difficult when you are the only adult caregiver in the, in the, in the home, not just in the room. So this is one of the things I'm seeing a lot. It's just this notion of Parental burnout. How can I give to my child when I feel so depleted? That's really what it is. And the other, the other thing I'm seeing a lot is guilt. So there's like a tremendous sense of guilt around. You think to
1: like the, the guiltiest over here.
0: Well, and you know, and it's things such as they can range anywhere from like I'm, I've no patience for my child right now anymore, or you know, I have no tolerance for them. I'm being reactive. I don't know. How to be, you know, how to how to kind of be sensitive to their needs anymore. It can range from something like that all the way to just guilt around, like all the screen time that our kids are getting. That you know, you'll you'll feel parents, you'll see parents kind of saying, "I just need to get my stuff done. Like I need to get my shit done. I need to work. I have other things I need to do, and I or I just need a break. Exactly. Or I just need a break, and this is really what helps me stay sane. Is the is the screen time, but They feel tremendous amounts of guilt because we know, we hear about all this research about screen time and we think that, you know, we're doing our kids harm. So, those are the two main kind of things I'm hearing.
1: So, okay, I'm gonna be, you know, let's say I'm one of your test subjects. Yes, I feel burnt out. Yes, I had to say goodbye to my village for a little while. My village really is my mom. Um, and and for the first couple of weeks, we weren't seeing anybody. Even though I have a husband, he has a high demand job. So it's not like he can step in and help me when I'm like, dude, I just need five minutes to drink this coffee and like regenerate. So it was very, very, very tough. So I, I'm like all of the above. Like I lost my village for a while. I was completely burnt out until one day like, I just started crying in the middle of the kitchen and I it was at a time when I think we all just were so unsure about what was gonna happen. my anxiety was super high. And then the guilt set in because there was a day like I went from like online learning to worksheets to doing drawings and chalk outside and then a bike ride. so one day I just like couldn't do anything and Bella was on her iPad for a big part of the day and I had never felt guiltier. The problem for me is that I can shake the guilt, but then I can't shake the thought of how is this going to affect my child in the long run? On top of the fact that they're going to have to deal with anxieties that they've you know, grown throughout this, don't touch this, don't touch that, wash your hands, can't see friends. Like They're going to have that, but what kind of effects will they feel from our reactive parenting right now, all of the screen time and all of the sitting
0: around? Yeah. Okay. That's an awesome question. I kind of want to go back one second to where you talked about how we kind of all first started. And I really think this is, this is mostly how people started off feeling like this was going to be like some like sabbatical retreat where my child is going to like, you know, get to their most existential level of life. And like, I'm going to, I'm literally going to like, you know, parents of the year, like, have you seen that meme? That's like, there's no award for best Quarantine yeah, quarantine yeah. yeah, exactly. So this is literally, I think how we all started. We started strong. I also think that was when we thought this was going to be like a two week thing, <laughs> give our best.
1: Right. I ordered a whiteboard on Amazon. I'll have you know that I ordered the wrong size. It's six feet by six feet. So I have a, an industrial size whiteboard in my dining room that has been untouched for weeks now. Yeah,
0: yeah, and same, same here. So I just have like piles and piles of worksheets that have not been done. You know, we can't do it all. We can't. So here's the thing about kids: kids, just like humans, but especially kids. I don't think people really know how just how resilient they are. They are very, very resilient in the sense of they're adaptable their brains are especially the younger ones their brains are have what's called plasticity so they're constantly kind of able to change and bounce back and move on and adapt and this is why you see kids literally adapting from like home life to going to school to changing grades to moving houses and and it's not that they don't feel it they absolutely feel it so there are things we could do to kind of Make it smoother for them, but they are resilient. And so, for all these moments that we're having, kind of our reactive, not best selves with them, I think you know. And this, and I include myself in this, right? None, none, none of us are immune to this. This is just humanity. What we know is that children really will like determine who they are and how secure your relationship with them is based on like what their most common experience with you is, and in all of these years. It's not based on three months of when you know everyone was kind of like in the survival mode, surviving a pandemic. It's based on just this relationship quality and this type of you know, bond and this type of safety that they've kind of felt with you all along. And this brings me to my next point, which is not every child will be traumatized from this experience. So I know that there's been like huge shifts. And changes for kids, just as for us, that's not something we can deny. But the, the way that trauma kind of works is really when somebody feels like this threat to either their life or to somebody's life that they're very close to, right? So they really are going by what our responses as parents are. This is how they're determining. Are we safe? Are we not? Is this something to be traumatized? Is it not? So if we kind of feel and like let go of like, oh my gosh, the notion of this is so life-changing and they're missing out on childhood and socialization and their you know, academics in three months and, and all of this stress, if we remove that and we kind of normalize a bit for them, just that they're okay, we're okay, we're gonna figure this out together, they're not gonna remember this as this like super stressful situation. They're gonna remember this as like, that was that time I got to be home, spend time at home with my parents, you know, or with my mom. And it was amazing. And I didn't have to get dressed, you know, most days. I stayed in pajamas and I watched lots of TV. And they're going to be fine and they're going to bounce back. And it, so it all really comes down to like our level of anxiety around it. This is how they're getting their cues anxious mommies will create anxious kids.
1: Absolutely. And I think, I, I think a lot of us can speak to <laughs> that and learning about ourselves and where all of our feelings about life and fears came from. I know I'm, for me personally, I try to keep the scary virus talk at a minimum. Bella will wake up each day and ask me if the virus is over yet because, you know, her new narrative is like, mommy, when the virus is over, can we da, 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 da. So there's that, but I'm like, yeah, sure. And we don't, Put on the news or whatever. But here's something I want to throw at you that we didn't previously discuss. Inconsistency in home. So if you're a single mom, but you are time sharing co-parenting and you are quote unquote doing everything right by the book, you are happy, you are engaging your kid, you're playing, you're only snapping at them minimally throughout the day. And then they go to the other house and it's complete chaos, which I have to say, and I'm going to say it in here, I, that is not the case for me. For once in my life, we are both on the same page. So, God bless America. Um, <laughs> but for a lot of people, that's not the case. And a lot of the DMs I'm getting from, especially newly separated moms, is like, I just started co parenting. How am I supposed to handle this? We're on two totally separate pages when it comes to quarantine and what to do in quarantine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great point. And I get that question a lot. Even, you know, you'd be surprised. I actually get that question a lot, even when. It's two parent homes uh, because the two parents ha- a lot of times just have completely different perspectives on parenting. So they don't even need to be in two different houses. But yes, this totally, sometimes I think it's a little easier when they're in two different houses because you kind of have full reign over your home, you know? So this question is a good one. Here's the answer The sooner you realize what you have control of and what you don't have control of, unless oh. I unless, that time. unless it's a matter of safety, okay? If, if your child, if it's a matter of safety and you find that your child is at risk for not being safe, this is a whole other issue. But let's say that it's not. So let's say that it's at dad's house, she gets, my child gets to watch TV till midnight every night and that's like not okay with me, right? Something like that. So you cannot micromanage that. But what I will tell you for your own peace of mind and comfort is that children will gravitate towards the home and towards the the style of parenting that is way more routine, predictable, clear in limits. So even when they're small, they're going to thrive in that kind of home better. And and, And if you are doing this and you have this type of structure in your house and this type of really secure relationship with your child, then that is still enough of a buffer For them to experience something differently at the other home, you are still creating, you're really you're still laying the foundation, if if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. I love that. And there's something you you have said and have said multiple times that I go back to probably once a week. All kids need, okay, because sometimes there is only one parent, the daddy (laughs) left or the mommy left. There is one totally on point parent and one shit show of a
0: parent. Mm -hmm.
1: All kids need is
0: one strong, healthy relationship with one healthy, secure Oh, I
1: get chills every time because I was raised by a single mama. And yes, that is the truth.
0: And look at you now, seriously. So so the thing is, we go determining a tiny little... I'm like, look at you now.
1: (laughs) Beating Um, my feelings in my bedroom right now.
0: Yeah. So the thing is, we actually go determining the way we believe the world works, that our own self-value, our own self-worth, how we think about relationships, all of this information we go creating when we're really little based on our primary relationship with our primary caregiver. And most, most times this is mom, right? So you are this person. And if you are this person that is constantly, and this doesn't mean you, this is totally not mean you have to be perfect. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just cool. saying that. Yeah. I mean, it means that you need to be like there on a, Stable, reliable basis. You are most of the time going to be able to provide comfort and soothing for your child. You are most of the time going to be the cushion that your child falls on. You are, and this doesn't mean either that you need to actually fix everything for your child. This is where parents also get confused, right? So here in quarantine, my child wants to go on the playground. She can't fucking go on the playground. right? So I can't fix that for her. I can't make the virus go away. You know what she says? The first thing she says she wants to do when the virus goes away, go on the Disney cruise. She doesn't know that she's going to have to wait She's never going on a cruise again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. So I can't fix these things, but all I can do for her- Bella wants to go to the mall and get a bath bomb. How's <laughs> yes. that? So all I can do in these moments is actually help her tolerate how frustrating it is to not be able to do real life the way that you want it right now. And this is the same thing we're feeling, right? Right. And so it's letting go of kind of that perfection and that control. And same thing about letting go of control of what, if you are co-parenting and they go to another home where they don't do the things the same way you do is being able to let go of that. And if your child says, I don't really like how it's done there. It's just literally having honest conversations, depending on the age of the child, about I totally can understand that. You know, I really can. And children always grow up to make really good conclusions about each parent. I do have to say, this is—it's not the job of the mom to be like your dad's incompetent, right? The, the child will actually grow up to understand, really, to really understand that, and know that they always will gravitate towards the more. Stable, secure, clear limit setting home. That's just what happens. There was one other thing I wanted to say, which was when I mentioned that we're also getting like really reactive with children and kind of stressed out, and we might like yell more than usual or we might have no tolerance, because that's one of the things I'm seeing a lot, is that we know that like the repair, and it's called the repair, which is like the reconnection with your child after you feel like shit, right? You're like, that didn't go so well. And my child didn't, doesn't feel good about that. I don't feel good about that. So, going back and that reconnection that looks like an apology, really apologize to your children. That's totally okay. You know, don't make it the elephant in the room. Or going back for hugs or play or laughter is just as powerful as, you know, if you could rewind time and, and have reacted in a more intentional way. It's just as meaningful and powerful. So, for the mess up times, you always have that tool. And this is also what's going to keep that child resilient in this time of your stress. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, for sure. And that's something I know I've heard from you in the past. And like today in particular, I was really ragey with Bella. And it was more so me than her. She wasn't any different today than she is every day, which is only child, super needy, wants my attention all the time. But I have been working on trying to set boundaries because in the real world, she's not going to have 100% access to me all of the time. So, I must be PMSing because I was a little bit ragey today. And I snapped at her at one point because she's always testing my limits. I said, no, don't do that. And she started doing it anyway. And so I snapped and she was like, you're so mean, uh, you know, and I'm like, you're right. Mommy just got really mean. I'm sorry. (laughs) I just had a very hard time when you don't listen to me. (laughs) Like, did I put it back on her a little bit? Yeah. But I felt that she could understand that when she is Pouring the nail polish out into the sink that, you know, you, you can be put in your place for that, kiddo.
0: I don't even think you put it back on her. I think that was great. Like, so here you you know, you this is a great segue into what I was gonna say about maybe some of the tactics that you guys can use for like parental burnout. And one of them is boundaries. Like boundaries are so critical. And there's so- an example of that. Yeah. So like Let's say that you have a clingy child or or someone that's needy and needs to be like kind of all over you, all up in your personal space, and there's either you need to take a time out for yourself or you need to work. The first thing that you would do is kind of acknowledge where this is coming from, from the child. So you would say something like, okay, you know, it feels really nice for you to be next to mommy all the time, right? Or you can't get enough of sitting on my lap. That feels cozy for you. I totally get it.
1: Or you want to just crawl right up into my vagina. Right, exactly.
0: That, you know i don't blame you like in this quarantine world like everyone does right <laughs> so i totally get it right so you might start off by this quick acknowledgement of what it is that they need because a lot of these like clingy like behaviors come from a place of like seeking some sort of safety that's what they're doing they're kind of reverting back to like you're their safety so you might just quickly acknowledge it like that and then you set a clear boundary and you might say something like you know my lap Needs my lap, can't have anyone on it right now. Or mommy still needs to eat, you know, finish this meal. I know you want me to play with you right now. I'm still going to finish this meal because it's important for me to eat. And then this might end up in a completely tantruming, crying child, but that is okay. You need to stick to your boundary, right? Same thing with if they get really needy about, like, you know, you do this for me, no, you do it for me. I can't, I can't, I can't, right? That whining that starts to come about and they're like kind of helpless. How about? I'm so lonely though, mommy. So then that's a really great example of helping them actually tolerate these uncomfortable feelings. You know, I love that. I think that anytime that you don't rescue your child, but don't neglect them either, there's like this sweet spot where you're not like, you know, go figure it out. You're like, okay, it's hard for you to feel lonely right now, or you wish you could play with someone. And then you kind of leave it on them and you're like, you know, I'm sure that you can figure out what to do with that. You know, I hear you, you have books in your room, you have art supplies. I see three things that you could do. Same thing with that. So this is the boredom talk that happens a lot. I'm so bored. This is so boring. Boredom is like a beautiful time of innovation for children and creativity. Sometimes they just need a little acknowledgement and then a push into like I see this, this, and this. I'm sure you can figure it out. Right. So because we we're so scared of boredom, I know we're going into a different topic, but because we're so scared of boredom, even us, like we don't know how to deal with boredom anymore, right? And, and our children don't know how to deal with boredom. This a lot of times is where we insert the screen time because they're bored. And so you're like, okay, they can't have any moment in life when they're not occupied. And so we're actually like robbing them of these opportunities for them to experience real life emotions that will a lot of times can turn into productivity when you're bored. They need to figure shit out. doesn't always have to be through you and you're not their like 24 7 entertainer
1: going back to survival single moms if your child is bored and you hand them the ipad here's what you need to do you need to make that time productive for you to feel good i think you know At the beginning, I would literally answer the iPad and just stare at my phone or stare into space because I'm like, you know, dumbstruck by what's going on. I've made it a point to myself. And we're using the iPad less for sure because she's getting more used to doing things around the house and finding things to do. I will either use that time to reorganize a drawer, which strangely brings me a lot of joy. I'll cook something. I'll clean something. I do something to make her time on that iPad feel very valuable for me to counter balance. Because, you know, if you're a single mom and that's the only time you're going to get alone, you should take a shower and wash the shit out of your hair or go stare at your pores in the mirror for 20 minutes, like something, anything yeah. to give you that bring back to center type of feeling.
0: Yeah. And like single mom or not, everybody's using e- extra screen time and that's totally, totally fine. There's actually been like New, it's really convenient because now there's new research that's like it's not as damaging unless all of a
1: sudden, right?
0: Right, all of a sudden, unless it's like hours and hours and hours on end, you know, on tiny brains. But actually, if you're already past a certain age, it doesn't really impact your development as much. You know, the things that I've heard around screen time are like if your child has somewhat of a balanced day in terms of like they have you know, some physical activity, they have some focus time, they have they they did play, they did this, then their leisure time can literally be filled with the screen time. It's just you what you don't want to do is just replace every other thing that they can do in their day that's important for development. And this is I'm talking about in the you know in the first few years with screen time. But screen time itself is totally, totally fine. And I love what you said. That's the same thing I would recommend is prioritize. And the screen time is when they really are going to be in a day's not bothering you. Prioritize and be as resourceful as possible. That is when you need to get your top shit done. Even if it's self-care, right? So it could be work, it could be self-care, whatever it is. Something no, like
1: for that. sure. I mean, you know, prioritizing. I, I don't think anybody prioritizes better than working moms or single moms. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a perfect time to Take the Zoom call or answer the email, not stare at your Instagram like I've been known to do from time to time during Same. this. Quarantine.
0: Same. And so, the last thing that I kind of want to bring up is uh, with this also is this is some, a metaphor that I had heard or analogy that I had heard from Avital. I don't know if you've heard of her, the parenting junkie. She's really cool. She's awesome. And she, the way she described it, especially like single parenting, is, you know, on the phone, on your phone, how you have like battery, right? So you have full battery and then it goes from green to like yellow, red yeah. and it's low. And then actually it goes from red to like yellow, or I don't remember the colors, but basically one of them is when it goes into like power saving mode. Have yeah, you seen yeah. that? Yeah, and so yeah. that is literally what happens most of the time, I think, especially in single parenting homes is you have to be that this is, you're in like low reserve, you're like reserve mode. So you're, you need to shut off all the non-essentials. So like if your house doesn't get clean today, it's not the end of the world, right? You need to kind of think about, okay, I only have a certain amount of eggs to put out today. What am I going to reserve them for? How am I going to prioritize? I can't do everything and that's just a fact and a reality. Let go of that. Let go of your expectation and really just Bare minimum is totally fine. It really is. Your child will be fine. You need to be fine for your child to be fine. Writing
1: all of this down because I want to reference this when we promote this podcast. Bare minimum is okay. Yes. Yeah,
0: it's more than okay. It's what needs to happen right now. Bare minimum is what's gonna keep you alive to be to keep your children alive, pretty much, right? So, so taking off a lot of that pressure of like, I need to be. You know, I need to be way more than I actually can. There's no need for that right now. Even if that means dirty dishes, dirty house, pajamas all day for everyone, totally okay. Nobody died from being in pajamas.
1: No, I, yeah, I've spent the entire weekend like not really looking my best. And you know what? It felt great. Talk to me about this Avital person and other parenting resources you love.
0: Okay, so Avital, gosh, I totally I'm blanking out on her last name. I can like look it up for you right now, but her she's theparentingjunkie.com. That's her, that's her website. She is this awesome, awesome person that she like will help you like organize your life and your day. And she's she's just really, really cool and good. And she's like spiritual and and I love her. Other resources, so for parenting or for Sing, for single parenting.
1: Single parenting. For single
0: parenting, we have, so we have, there's a podcast that's really good besides Missy's podcast, which you guys all, all love already. Her name is Summer Felix Malder. I don't know if you've heard of her. She is a blended family. She's already divorced, she's already remarried, and she's done like an entire series on co-parenting. The challenges, uh, the obstacles, but also tons of suggestions really good tips. I think she brings on other experts and guests onto her podcast too. So Summer Felix Mulder, and that's her, her website. I think it's summerfelix.com or, or summerfelixmulder. I'll pass it on to you. Okay. And then another one is Rebecca Zung. I don't know if you've heard of her. Uh, yeah, of course. Okay. So she's really good, especially for those that feel like they are dealing with narcissists. Right? Mm-hmm she's an attorney actually and she's a master negotiator and we know more than anyone that in co-parenting you have to be like FBI level negotiator so so she's a great resource for that too. Is and then,
1: the podcast just about divorce or is it about like live your best life?
0: Who Rebecca Zhang? Yeah. Yeah, she has plenty of videos and I don't think it's just about divorce. I think she she just is I think negotiation. Okay. So she's really she's a badass about that. Awesome. Um, and then um, after post this podcast, we can kind of I can give you more resources if you want.
1: Well, we can't end this podcast without you talking about your number one parenting girl crush.
0: Okay, okay, okay. I was uh, only a minute before. Bring yeah. her up. Yes. So my number one girl crush parenting guru is Dr. Shafali Tabari. I have seen her live twice. I'm a soccer. Uh, I listen to her live every day at twelve. She goes on Instagram, guys, and she does free Instagram lives that you. She's just so spiritual. I'm, you know, in a way that she helps you kind of reframe and find meaning and purpose. And. And wherever you are in your life. She really is amazing. She helps you reflect, she helps you grow and she helps you let go of the shit you don't need anymore. And we know that single parents and co-parents could use a lot of that kind of inspiration.
1: You turned me on to her and I completely agree. And I think the more resources we can have as parents in general, the better. But when you're a single mom and you feel like all the odds are stacked against you, that's when the resources become crucial and critical and yeah and,
0: and even what we said in the beginning like villages are so depleted right now you need to figure out you need to build your own village virtually right now you know Well I'm so
1: glad you're part of mine because you really are a wealth of knowledge and you have like just burst into all of our lives and hearts with your passion for what you do and taking care of children that's why I'm proud to know you and be your friend even prouder that you joined us today because I know you've got a lot going on you are doing webinars and one-on-ones
0: yeah. Thanks, Mishy. first of all. And second of all, yes, I am doing parenting webinars. Those are all on different topics, especially in early childhood. And Mish will write down where you can get access to those. And I'm also doing virtual one-on-ones for parents. So even though it's little children, I'm actually working with, with the parents. The parents are the ones that are going to be the agent of change for this little child. And to help just support and empower parents to feel really confident. This is when we get happier little kids, when parents feel confident what they're doing.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And when parents remove the guilt. So Mm -hmm. you've helped us do both of those things today. I'm so grateful to you. I can't wait until this is available and for everybody to listen. Tell us where we can find you.
0: So you can find me, my website is www.hatchandbloom.co And my Instagram handle is Hatch and Bloom Co. I don't really do I'm not active on Facebook or anywhere else yet. So really Instagram is like my main source. Just DM me or follow me or whatever.
1: Yes, she will take care of the blooming after you have hatched, that is for sure. Thank you, Evelyn. Thank and you. thank you guys for listening to another episode of our moms moving on podcast. If you have questions, you know where to find me at the Michelle Dempsey on Instagram. We have our private Facebook group, moms moving on. I'd love for you to be a part of it. And I'd love for you to bring us your questions so that we can turn that into a segment that will benefit your lives on your journey towards moving on. Have
0: Thank you, Mish. And I wanted to say everyone listening to this is a hero every single day. So
1: brownie points. Bye babes.